everybody. This is Brad Bruce, and I'm here with Jace Marsiglia. And you're listening to the 5195 Podcast. In person. You're back. I'm back. Back in the saddle again, man. How was the travels? Wasn't bad. Wasn't good. good. Wasn't, I mean, you're crammed into a Tylenol capsule for hours and hours and hours so it was what it was but i'm here man it was fun yeah i got got boots on the ground again and i'm in the studio hell yeah so we have something fun today we do first recording in person and we got a guest we do have a guest mr uh, johnny romalia who we've frequently talked about on the show yes sir thanks guys glad to be here yeah yeah. it's a pleasure to have you it's been long enough we've talked about you enough so it's like you better bring him on absolutely oh i know we tried to do it last time but it we just did. scheduling kind of got messed up. Yeah. Has yeah, it, you know, life has a way of uh, sticking it to you sometimes. It, it and, does. You it, know, throwing a wrench. Yeah. So many times. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Sometimes you forget your Claritin and you lose your voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. That, that sounds was awful. fucking horrible. <laughs> that, that was so We bad. were literally like dueling banjos of just sick well, you fucking... <laughs> it was bad. Bro, like, I would get my voice back and then Brad would wake up the next day and be like... You're never gonna believe this. <laughs> I'm like, no, you gotta be shitting me. Great. Yeah. It was yeah, there was one whole week that was just shot. It, it was sucked. fucked. It sucked. You know? It was bad. But, but yeah. Yeah. It's man. over. We're here now. So we're, we're here now and um figure obviously we've we've told snippets about you, you've come up in stories. But we you know, we want everyone to get to know you. I was wondering where you uh you grew up, your old stomping grounds and what you were up to as a kid. Right, right. Okay, boy, let's see here. Well, I'm originally from back east. I was oh. born in Stony Brook, New York, which is on Long Island. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of grew up a little bit more like an army brat without the army. So, so you guys know, just up and bugged out a Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. It was pretty much just me and my mom rolling around. Nothing unique about that story. Children of the 80s. Very common. <laughs> yep. So, you know, it was one of these things where we'd do maybe a couple years back east. And then a little bit around towards mid to late 80s is when half of my family started migrating out west, for lack of a better term. So my grandparents came out here. And, you know, we're an American-Italian family, just to give you an idea of the kind of fortunate, tight-knit aspect we had to, you know, this kind of culture. Yep. So it would be, all right, so Jonathan, we're going to go out west for a little while. What do you think about that? We're going to go see Grandma and Papa. And I'm like, great, let's do it. Came out here, based in San Diego, mainly Encinitas, La Costa, and Vista, which is, you know, it's Southern California. It's like North County of basically San Diego area, mm-hmm. larger area. That was great for me because the landscape changed to more of things that I would actually see in movies. And a lot of the movies I liked at the time it was like, it's a different spin. Sure, being back east, you're going to see a lot of older architecture, uh, different kinds of spooky Victorian shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming out here was um, it was the other side of the coin. Yeah, per absolutely. Se. Um, no, and you're right. Yeah. Out east, like Detroit and everything where I'm from, it a lot of gothic looking architecture, big churches and stuff. And it's it's not quite like that out this side. It's more what you see in, on TV. That's right. Bit Hell of a culture yeah. shock, which I'm cool. Either way, I'm, I have a blast when I'm out here. Did the move mess with you or anything? Or was it just like, oh, this is normal life? Okay, that's, I loved it. Okay. And here's the th- here's the reason. Okay. Because as I started getting a little bit older, a little bit more adventurous, how I looked at it was, all right, I'm going to get it some shit. And it's not going to be too long before we're just going to pack up and go somewhere else. <laughs> no. <laughs> the tent's going to fold anyway. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. It it's clean slate. Absolutely. I can run amok, and then I'm good. That's right. That's right. Was it more just like a purposely nomadic thing where your mom was just kind of like, on a whim, I just feel like going out west? Or was no, there no. Was, was it ever like a, a job thing? Or? It was a lot of that. A single mom trying to grab hold of something new, you know, something that's going to push forward to the future. Sure. Um, you know, it's the better life thing. Yeah. You know, not necessarily Oregon Trail. No, but it, it was never a matter of... Uh, sorry, Johnny, we gotta go. We gotta move here. It's more like, hey, you up for an adventure kind of thing. Well, I think that it's the animal, it's the box of animal crackers. All the experiences were there. There was mm. some of it was, oh shit, I'm terribly sorry. We gotta do this. Right. Can't make it here, you know? Sure. So there was a lot of, um, Colorado as well, some Four Corners area, similar to the area okay. where they did city slickers. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of those, you know, those outdoor location shots. Yeah. And spent some time out there as well. Yeah. So I mean, between New York, the beach and the mountains. Uh, well, that's you know, pretty fucking culture. That's, uh, that's I a smattering, it, dude. That's, yeah. a, that's a very scenic way of living. Yeah. I remember being in it and actually being able to recognize the benefits of it. Because that's huge for a kid. It's huge. Yeah, and I knew that I was really getting exposed to a lot of different walks of life. Mm -hmm. See, my mom was first of all. Every generation in my family has had a restaurant. Okay, you know, my great grandparents they had a restaurant in Italian Market. Okay, in um in Manhattan. Uh, my grandfather, he grew up on Prince Street. And now I don't know if if you guys have seen the American Italian documentary that Scorsese does with it talking about his parents yes, and they talk about that, that same area. Okay. Okay. Wow. So yeah. a lot of a lot of my roots really come from there. Yeah. Which trickled down into the family life. Obviously I didn't really get to experience any of that. They had, you know, made it out of the city and into the island, you know, you know, suburban out sprawl. Everybody gets out of the city when they can. But, yeah. But with that being said, my mom also was a cook, so there was, you know, time periods where she was a private chef for, like, an oil tycoon's daughter who lived on a thousand acres of land on this huge ranch in Colorado, and we're living in a two-story cabin. Yeah. I got a creek wow. in my backyard. They got fish hatcheries. I'm catching fish with my bare hands out of this <laughs> small pond that's way overstocked with fish. Just crazy shit, right? Tom Sawyer to the max. Mm -hmm. And then I know I come out west for the summer and get into your... You know, John Connor shit in the summer out here in California. <laughs> right. You know? Right. I know you said, if you don't want to talk about it, it's fine, but you yeah, know you said um, single mom. Yeah. So yeah. dad wasn't around. Dad wasn't around, didn't really know him. I did spend one Christmas with him that I remember, which was in Boston. That's where he lived at the time. And, and strangely enough, one of the more notable things about that experience is watching Ninja Turtles for the first time when they were still based in Boston. Okay. No so kidding. yeah, wow. So it was it was sick. It was yeah. it was crazy. I mean, I couldn't even fully wrap my head around what was going on. I'm like, okay, so we're in the city. See all these brick skyscrapers. Yeah, and these buff turtles <laughs> are doing all this crazy karate ninja shit. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is all right. Yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. a bad trip. It's pretty cool. Yeah, but what I do know about my dad from that time, he was really big on doing upholstery. And okay. he had his own upholstery company, and I, you know, from what I know, he had done. Uh, Ralph Lauren's limousine. Oh, no so shit. So he was talented. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he, I think he was probably more of a a tortured soul, that kind of thing. You know, okay. again, you know, this is what happens. I think his dad dipped out on him. It's the only thing he knew, and he didn't know any better, but to keep, you know, I think it's one of those scenarios where 
maybe you become the thing that you fear the most. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's what happened for him. Yeah. Right. You know, but I had a great family. My grandfather was like, he was my father figure. You know, this guy was, he was tough. He was yeah, tough. So this is mom's dad? This is my mom's dad. Okay. I didn't really okay. know. I don't really know anybody on my father's, father's side. side. And there's siblings out there. I got I got half sisters out there that I don't know. You yeah. know what I mean? There's a whole other chapter out there. Well, I think yeah. anyone that's born in the 70s or 80s, they have other uh, siblings out there they've never met. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, because <laughs> guilty. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so wow, that's cool. So when okay, because I know when we first met, I was told it's like, oh, this dude's like good on a deck. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yes. So we're talking about skateboarding. Yes. Mm-hmm. So for me, all that kind of took place early to mid-90s. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Even though uh, skateboarding was the ticket, we all had that era when we strapped on some rollerblades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, what happened was, but here, here's the real thing with it. At first, I didn't actually want anything to do with it. Okay. But again, during these summers that I come out here to Cali, one of my really good friends as a child, he was getting into skateboarding and that's all he wanted to do. So finally was like, all right, man, let, let, let me just see it for a minute. And then I finally, finally got a little bit more acclimated to it. And then my grandfather got me my first board, which I then had to take back to Colorado and practice riding on dirt roads. Wow. That wouldn't have Which, been you know, that just, yeah. Forget about it. <laughs> Mission impossible. Yeah. You're not locking the hubs and doing anything for by with that. <laughs> nope. But then again, hey, Johnny, guess what? We're going back to Cali and we're going to stay there now. So I'm like, all right, I'm actually, I'm ready this time. I'm down for this, you know. How old um, were you? Now, this point, I was, you know, early teens. Okay. So, you know, you're starting to develop your sense of self and friends. So the, a part of it was a little like, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm starting to get the hang of this shit out here. Mm-hmm. The girls out here like me. I got friends out here. I can get in some good trouble out here. I know all the getaway spots. You know, it was a small town that had Main Street and then 2nd, 3rd, and the 4th. There was alleys and old buildings, a lot of ways to, to get away from shit. But nevertheless, ended up out here. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know, skateboarding probably saved my life. Because... No kidding. I would have definitely been on that trajectory to just get into enough shit to carve a different path for myself. Right. Wow. I would have gotten in trouble with the law. You know, I was... I grew up with such a disdain for authority. Yeah. That um, I was that first kid... That when the cops would, you know, try to rope us up, talk about giving us tickets and take our boards, I'd be the first one to just vocalize, oh, man, fuck you. <laughs> you know, but again, I partially it's, you know, I, I mean, looking back now, I can say, you know, I mean, I was just I was a little white kid and, you know, probably feeling some of the effects of the privilege of that, you know, right. and I was young and I'm like, you know what, I'm a minor. What are you really going to do? Right. I'm going to get into as much clean trouble as I can. Like, let's face it, this is harmless, you know? Right. Yeah. But this was a time nobody liked skateboarding. This was a low point. This was post-skate park 80s and pre-reemergence of it becoming global and huge again. So anybody who was pro this time, they weren't making money. They were hard-pressed. If you were a professional skater getting even good coverage, you were pumped if you were able to buy yourself a Civic. Wow. You know, like that, you know, like you made it. You yeah. know so I mean? like yeah. nobody throwing the, the name Tony Hawk around or anything like that. They that were time. because it was kind of, he had already got his claim to fame. But what happened was transition skating really went underground hmm. because all the contests stopped, uh, sponsorship stopped for that. And then also street skating was becoming huge. 
So it went from padding up and getting on a ramp to trimming down your wheel size and hitting the streets. You know, people like Mark Gonzalez really helped pave the way for like things that new things that could be done on a skateboard along with, you know, Rodney Bolin. Right. I mean, a lot of those guys, a lot of the Bones guys also killed it. I mean, think about Animal Gin, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, exactly. You know, they were still doing sick street shit and that as well, sprinkled in there Mm -hmm. so you can see where it was going. The ramp stuff. Yeah. My little germination period was in the heyday of San Diego skateboarding in the 90s. Now, during this time period, this was the mecca for skateboarding. If you could hop on the bus and get to, you know, these hot spots, there was a very good chance that you were going to see one or two or three pros just roll up with their cameramen and start filming and start doing this crazy shit that was just mind-blowing. Yeah. And you're just seeing these guys. And the whole thing is, is like, these were rebels. We were all out there, I mean, essentially breaking the law. Mm-hmm. But we're just trying to have fun. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? We're just doing a good thing, you know? Yeah, you know, it could have been so much worse. It could have been so much worse. That's you always know? the argument, and it's true, you know. So how far did you take the skateboarding? Well, I mean, in my heart and mind, I went all the way. Right. I mean, me and, you know, being a latchkey kid... You know, for example, me and one of my best friends growing up, and still to this day, uh, my best friend, uh, Wes Miller, he's another latchkey kid, and we had similar backgrounds, single moms, you know, doing their thing. They had to work late, you know, they had to work a lot to be able to keep the roof over our head, you know? Mm -hmm. So, we were kind of amongst some of the more poor kids in, I'd say, a pretty affluent town. Okay. So, we kind of gravitated towards each other on that common ground first. Along with skateboarding. So it'd be like, all right, we're going to meet in town. We're going to do this. And we pumped it hard. So we got to the point where, you know, we became uh, recognized by some of the older heads. And eventually we got some shop sponsorship. But to be honest with you, the problem with me was I got a lot of ankle injuries. I would tear ligament after ligament after Oof. ligament. Like you just popping it. And then it looked like I have a potato under my skin. Yeah. But, oh, man. You know, you try to heal from it mentally and you, you pick it up. And uh, it eventually got to the point... Where, you know, I'm now I made it through high school, I'm still skating, but, you know, now I'm that guy out there trying to keep a roof over my head and pay bills. And it's like, unfortunately, you know, as much as I love skateboarding, I couldn't keep trying to push it and have to deal with a major injury that was going to put me out of work. Right, you know? sure. But, you know, I learned a lot about life, a lot about people, a lot about reading people, a lot about understanding how to find your way and express yourself, and a lot about how to handle a camera and how to not be so shy when the lens is on you, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. To kind of segue into some other stuff. That was some roots of that. Yeah. Came from that. Were you filming yourself and your crew? Yeah, we filmed all the time. All the time. That's awesome. I mean, it was great at first, and then it became a nightmare because it wasn't even fun anymore. You just wanted to... You were so on the job trying to get footage for your part that you became a dick. You're like, well, you didn't get that. And we're like, oh, your angle sucks. So it changed a bit. It did change, you know, because you're trying to take it to the next level and you lose a little bit of that innocence. Right. Mm -hmm. And not really being old enough or having any mentors to help you manage that and look at it Mm -hmm. it in a healthy way. And, you know, going that along with things that were going on in our home lives, you know, that was a great outlet. But then the other outlet was partying a bunch. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was the 90s. If you grew up in the 90s, like, I mean, let's look let's look at Dazed and Confused. And we know it takes place in a different time period, but from when it came out, MTV Beach House. Oh, we were yeah. just being pump, pump, pump program 
to go get fucked up. Yeah. Burn it from both ends. It's a sport. Yeah. That's also a sport. You're right. So, you know, I mean, we, we got, we, we had plenty of good times with that too. So one of the things that we, we like to, we've talked about doing on this show when we have a guest, because our show is very nostalgia driven. We go back in time quite a bit. And uh, one of the things that we always wonder about people is what was your aha moment mm. where you felt every fiber of your being go, this is what I'm doing now. Okay, this yeah. Is, this is the direction I want to go. This feels right. Yeah, yeah. There's been a few of those, and it's definitely changed over time. You know, I mean, skateboarding had one of those moments, too, because... Sure. Let's see if I can nutshell it. Yeah, the fiber of being, you know, you... This was something that's all you. Yeah. I mean, skateboarding is straight-up kung fu. It is oh, hard sure. work, and if you can't find some kind of mental discipline to keep on failing and failing and failing and failing, to just maybe get it once... And then that is all worth it. Mm-hmm. Then I, I mean, I don't even know what else isn't just a basic metaphor for how life is to yes, people. Yes, I was literally going to say that. I'm like, it's setting you up for getting back up every time. Yeah, yeah definitely, definitely. So and that was like that first instance of that. But you know, then some other things started come creeping up too. You know, your teenager music's good. You're starting to explore all these new things that are inspiring and they kind of make you feel alive. And uh, music became one of those things for me as well. You know, I went through my hard punk phases and, you know, my metal. And, you know, growing up as a small child, there was always something like Bob Dylan and Bob Marley playing. My mom was huge on music. So it was always around. But, you know, you get to that phase where you're starting like, well, you know what? I'm going to get I'm going to find my own shit. Mm -hmm. So you go through that. And in the late 90s, around 97 is when I started getting heavily into DJing. So me and um, one of my friends, DJ Crazy Cut, we'd, we'd team up and we'd go DJ house parties, you know, on, on hip hop stuff. But we, for me, I was a lot more into things like, like battle DJing. I didn't really oh, want to wow. play your top 40 or, you know, your radio hits. I didn't give a shit about commercial anything at that time. Right. You know, if it was commercial at that time, I'm like, turn that shit off. I think a lot of people probably hated it when I showed up because I was selfish. You know what I mean? I wasn't, a, in that sense, I definitely wasn't a good DJ. But we were into beat juggling, <laughs> scratching. You know, DJ Cubert, Visible Scratch Pickles, huge inspiration at that time. World famous beat junkies. You know, DJ Babu, Ripmatic. All, I mean, a lot of these guys, you know. These are the things that started to segue into another huge aspect of my fiber of being, which is a new, new form of expression. Mm-hmm. Something that was mental and emotional and something that you could share. You know, skateboarding was something for yourself. It was personal. But if I could tap into creating a good time for even just a few people, admitting that I wasn't playing the hot shit, but turn them on to something new, you know, making the turntable talk, Mm -hmm. scratching it up and starting to learn that and understanding beats and understanding like, wow, man, this is something crazy. So I really went from that to like, you know what? This isn't enough. I actually, I want to participate more in this. I love this culture. So then I started writing some poetry Mm -hmm. and then trying to figure out how can I make some of this music? But I was broke. I didn't have shit. So you'd buy these scratched up just drum break records and they'd be some boring ass shit. And then you would try to grab an instrument on another record, like a trumpet or something. And you try to cut it back and forth and make it hopefully sound like something you heard off a black moon tape or something. Failing miserably, but at the time I spent my life savings, which wasn't shit, to get two Technique 1200s 
and a Roland Boss drum machine. You know, and this, I'm like a junior in high school at this time. This is like, you know, 97, 98 now. Yeah. When this was really pumping up. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to. I remember seeing somebody say something, some DJ, I don't remember his name, but he was talking about somebody else who told him, listen, if you dedicate, if you totally dedicate yourself to something for at least a year straight, the discipline of practicing this, you're going to be sick. you got to give yourself to it and make sure you can and you need to have that discipline. But if you do it, you will get good. So I really took that to heart and, you know, I kind of started to disappear a little bit out of the, the house parties. And it was more about like, yo, like, let's just go back to my place, pull an all-nighter and try to make some music or we'll fuck with records all night. Yeah. But it wasn't until my good friend, Sean Haskett, hearing him spit at one of these house parties. Again, this is late, late 90s. This might have been like 99. It was mind-blowing. I felt like, I mean, his lyrical ability and the vocabulary that he was dropping and the complete thoughts that he was putting together, it wasn't just some silly shit. Mm -hmm. He was like coming with it. And I was like, oh, damn, I need to figure some shit out. And people are circling around him. This is amazing, man. I don't, I, you know, this is insane. So from that, he, he actually gave me some really strong inspiration to try and push rhyming a little bit more. Okay. So him and Crazy Cut on the DJing tip. And then this one summer, I think it was, um, this was summer of going into senior year. He brought a computer down to my house and he had, I might be wrong on the year, but he was the first person I knew that had any, any kind of setup to making beats. So he was kind enough to bring this setup down to my house and leave that shit there overnight. So during this little time period that like where he had to go home and have dinner with his folks, I was like, okay, I need to soak this shit up. Because before that, all I had seen was uh, MTV's music generator. It was a video game at the time. I remember kind of like that. drop in like basic yeah. things. Right. Yeah. It came and went, but yeah. I thought it was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Now there's variations of that everywhere. Yeah, you can't, I mean, on our phones, it, yeah. it comes pre-installed. You can do shit like that. Yep. Yeah. And so you were doing all this in San Diego. This was all in San Diego, yes. Okay, yes. so the, yes. the skateboarding was kind of like, that was the, the lily pad. Yeah, that was and the it, lily it, pad. it grew into the music thing. So yeah. And so now you were just building like an arsenal of beats and rhymes and stuff? Or? Yeah, this was still kind of a Petri dish. Yeah. You know, like... We were starting to, you know, do our little ciphers and try to put rhymes together, do a lot of writing, reading the dictionary, try to learn some new words, how yeah. can mm -hmm. I use them. We would go down to downtown San Diego and there used to be this place that we just kind of knew it as The Loft. You could go there on said night and see a, a group of different DJs take turns doing mini sets, different routines. They would have break dancers and then they would have hip hop groups. And, you know, it was, again, there was... There was a group that was killing it back in the day. I think they were, if I'm correct, they were called Pack of Blacks. Mm -hmm. And this night that I was there, they were all dressed like Shaolin monks. So I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and, you know, they did. Their, they've, they've, they they've got it. a theme. They do know. have a theme. And I thought it was sick, you know. You know, before they went on, I remember at the time, there was this uh, younger cat, still older than we were by a couple years is what it looked like. But he was, he was scratching it, killing it. You know, this is this is the late 90s, but this is somebody who ended up becoming who was known as today as the Gas Lamp Killer, which okay. is like, you know, wow. he's a well-known DJ. So okay. yeah. there was a lot coming into maturity from a lot of different angles at that time. Uh -huh. Skateboarding was maturing at the same time that hip-hop was. And there was some common ground there. Right. You know, having to deal with um, changes of being out in the streets, um, different cultural stuff, but the same kind of 
fuck you energy. For sure. And that's what I resonated with at that time. Yeah. So that's how those two things merged, and that's what I wanted to run with. That's pretty awesome. And the thing is, what I liked about that was, you know, you were talking about whipping out dictionaries and pulling records from all these other places. You know, to to someone who would look down on something like this, they're not realizing that you're self-educating. All of this is, this is all building blocks that you're doing yourself. You're going out, culturing yourself for one, because you're, you're buying, I'm I'm assuming random shit sometimes just to get, just to get this instrument or that instrument or just, you know, these are all ingredients that you're putting in yourself that you didn't hear from anyone else, seeing how they work, seeing how they play. It's just funny when people tell me these stories, because I'm just like, dude, this is the shit you won't get in school. That's right. You're just out there doing this shit on your own and taking the proactive move to, yeah. you know, make your dream come true, whatever that may be. That's right. You know, and that's, I, I love stuff like that. That is yeah. so cool. And it's, you know, it's that gumshoe shit, you know, it's like, if I got to stick these two popsicle sticks together to make this work, then that's what we're going to do. Yep. Whether you're trying to make a short film on five bucks and you don't have the gear or you're using the wrong kind of turntables and you can't get the weight right. So you're, you're gluing fucking quarters on top of the needle. <laughs> so the shit won't skip when you're scratching, you know, you're sure. like, you fine by any means. Yeah. It's problem solving. That's yeah. problem solving yeah. at its, at its core. Yeah. You know. But artistically though. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it's, and I think it's something that most people don't understand no because they don't know that's that that side of it mm-hmm. that's the, the thing creative problem solving is so useful in, yeah. in day-to-day yeah. anything you it know is. what i mean if you can teach yourself how to make something work in your art right there's no way in hell that you couldn't use that same mindset to do something oh without a doubt basic you know what i mean 100 percent. It's, it's it's the same mindset in yeah. my opinion so you were doing the music thing and when did you notice this is growing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and what was that like? It was cool. It wasn't till a little bit after high school, for sure. You know, it was probably around 2001 because we had to incubate and we had to kind of crawl a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of start to walk. And when you start out, you you know, your rhymes are shit. You know what you're doing. But, you know, you'd start, I mean, you listen to something like, Jizz's liquid swords and you're like okay (laughs) so here's a great example of how to how to do this right Mm -hmm. and you know you start like okay well what's going on here what's he talking about this guy's painting pictures this guy is spitting movies you know what i mean i really like yes vivid yes so vivid the the things that he is illustrating with words that's what really got me you know and I could find that you, you, you'd listen to different artists for different reasons. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Of course. But I always kind of came back to somebody who would either drop some heavy wisdom on me because, you know, at the same time, I'm also trying to stitch together my pieces of a father figure. Right. And mm. I'm getting this from the skateboarding community. I'm getting this from hip hop. I'm getting this from MCs. I'm getting this from DJs. And mm-hmm. I'm getting this from, you know, maybe my friends' dads or bosses, anybody who was willing to kind of kick me some knowledge and not yeah. just look at me like some punk. You know? Right. And you were right. like soaking it up too, right? Oh, I was it was, soaking it, was it, up. it was forming you. Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was yeah. great. But, I, you know, I always liked these, uh, I was always <laughs> into these more old-timey things. You know, I liked these, I liked senior citizens. Yeah. Because they always say that just classic shit that is just, it just makes sense. It's simple and it's concise. Right. And it's almost poetic. You know, they, they, yeah. they don't, you know, they're not fucking around. You know, these, these people, they made it through the Great Depression. Agreed. They made it through <laughs> a tough time. I was the only kid in my family for a long time. 
Like my aunts and uncles, they were really my great aunts and uncles. So they okay. were all, a lot of them were senior citizens. Okay. And I was just the youngster. You right, know, so it's, right. I mean, the stories that I heard in these huge Sunday dinners yeah. were just from fucking out of this world, a different time. Yeah. You know, like Goodfellas era shit <sighs> and older, you know? Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's a little bit of a tangent. I had to go there for a minute. No, please. <laughs> but yeah, we're all about it. Okay, you were asking the change. Okay, the change. That's yeah, right. Yeah, the change. So, you know, me and. Sean Haskett, and then another one of my good friends, Hagen Holzer, we formed a group and we started tracking some stuff out, just trying to focus, you know, like, let's get, we needed to get organized, mm-hmm. you know, no more just lighten up, drinking some, you know, 40 or whatever, and yeah. just throwing some stuff into the air and let it just fizzle away in the breeze. So we started to get, you know, let's come up with some concepts. Uh, let's put some music together. Let's actually make some music and let's try to go perform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we did that. It was a free period, you know, it was it was a different time, you know, everything was new and fresh. We were just happy to be doing it. We just really, you know, again, sure. we were just loving participating in something that would made us feel so alive. Right. So we started doing house parties and most of the time it was pretty it was it was there was a great reception there, but sometimes people weren't expecting it. Some of these house parties probably would have been better served with uh <laughs> maybe a punk band, you know what okay. I mean? Sure. But, you know, times were changing and people were kind of opening their eyes up to something a little bit different, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of these house parties, they they weren't the most diverse groups Mm -hmm. based on where we were geographically, you know? So we had to kind of break some doors down even within that. Mm -hmm. You know, like, look, just open your mind up. Just try to pay attention and have a good time. Yeah. You might might find that there's another part of you that you don't know you had, you know? Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So we pressed up some CDs and started trying to move those around. This first group was called Apocalypse 3. It was the three of us. Okay. Made some shirts. It was a good time. It was a good practice run to kind of see, like, what's this like to be organized and really try to do this? Right. You know, and then from there, through creative differences and some people moving to different parts of the state, you know, so, you know, college, moving to L.A., and it, try and get some other things going that group kind of fizzled out and it was still me and Hagen around and crazy cut so we formed a new group called like minds and this is like 2002 this is a time period where underground hip-hop has its is really starting to have its own lane again Mm -hmm. in a different way so i mean i say underground but let me put it independent hip-hop so you're gonna see people in this time period that are that are really making their own lane and doing it and showing you how you can make music on your own and support yourself and be your own business people like slug from atmosphere yeah and then you have you know living legends right i mean yeah i mean this is the time period when swollen members was huge when they first came out yeah and then you know all the battle axe guys and there was a lot of you know i mean it was a whole new surgence no there was a whole new indie culture pop it really was so you know we were seeing right then and there like okay there is a different way to do this you know what i mean you don't have to go this lane and try to get signed and you know right you don't have to go try to be a superstar overnight yeah you can do this at your own pace your own way and be true to yourself. Yeah. And just try to share your art with people. Yeah. And entertain people and have a good time. It's music. So we were on that tip. Everybody had their own different lane. Crazy Cut, he was he's somebody that is a genius. So he stayed in school for like 15 more years while he was still good at anything he touched his hands on. And he was still participating in hip-hop and he was there anytime he, we needed it. Hagen was doing his own thing. He was a tattoo artist right out the gate, like early on. 
He started grinding away on that. He actually used to do tattoos in Bonzel at Body Graphics, this place oh, out in wow. Bonzel, California. If you might, rec- you I mean, might remember I ha- that place. I, ha- I have Body yeah. Graphics Inc. on me. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, that's it's kind of a... It's a a, a tattoo shop of yesteryear, let's say, but it had its little place in time. Kind of uh, perfectly pinned in between the Inland Empire and San Diego, let's yeah. say. Hmm. It was, it's definitely a landmark. Definitely. But I'm going to get real with you for a second, because it's a lot of this like, yeah, yeah, all this, that, and the third. But, I mean, I made a lot of mistakes. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're just trying to figure things out along the way. And there were certain things that I wasn't paying attention to. While I was clinging so hard to this dream that I was building, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had some of my own, you know, for lack of a better term, we'll just call them mental struggles, you know? Yeah. Things mm-hmm. I was dealing with. I, was, uh, I wasn't taking care of my body the way I needed to. I wasn't feeding my mind the way I needed to. I was trying to, not on the music lane, but in my personal life and where I was, I was trying to fit into a area that really I was priced out from day one. You know, I would have been better mm. off getting out of, you know, it was a great place to grow up skateboarding. But as far as developing into a young man and somebody who had to pay dues with their boots on the ground and couldn't really necessarily lean on family nest eggs to kind of help guide me along the way. No. You know, I was, it was a losing battle for me. Sure. And I was having a hard time with that. I wasn't okay with that. I couldn't quite see it for just what it was and wasn't willing to uh, just cut ties and uproot and go somewhere else. And a lot of that had to do with the moving that I did as a kid, Mm -hmm. which at the time I thought was great. But now here I am in my young 20s and I realized that because what I had been doing is a lot of hard, long goodbyes, that once I had actually had a chance to put some roots down... I didn't want to let go of those roots. Right. I just wanted to hang out with my friends and be where some of this new, these new ties had been made. I felt safe, yeah. even though I wasn't safe at all. And I was, uh, you know, burning from both ends. You know, I was getting fucked up all the time. It caused a lot of problems for me. So when we were getting close to finally putting this album out, this first album out, and it took us a while to get it going. This is, we're coming up on 2007 now. We had done, wow. we had done a real underground album in 2001. And then that's Apocalypse 3. And then like Mines did an EP in like maybe 2003, 4. But it wasn't until about 2007 that we had actually been finishing up our first LP, you know, our Mm -hmm. album. And it's like right right when you're getting this done and you need to just go and explode and go get to work, go get the shows. You got to go get yourself out there. You got to get that exposure. I kind of snapped in my mind and I crumbled out here in Cali and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't be out here. I can't fucking make this shit happen. I had to fold up shop at the worst time ever, and I went back east. I went to go, you know, live with my sister out in Long Island. Uh-huh. You know, she, her and my brother-in-law were kind enough to say, yeah, come out here. We, we'll, we'll get you set up, you yeah. know. So I started doing chimney sweeping Okay. in uh, Connecticut. You know, me, me and my uh, brother-in-law, we would take the ferry over. He'd been doing this for a long time, hustler, doing yeah. his thing. You know, yeah. doing what he's got to do to put food on the table. Hell you know, yeah. He made a business for it. You know what I mean? He's doing what he's got to do. So I'm like, okay. Let's do this, you know? I'm always up for a new adventure. For sure. I'd already done like 35 different jobs <laughs> right. up to that point anyway. <laughs> right. So I'm like, okay, so what's cool. another one? Let's add this. Getting out there and doing that, right? But just feeling dead inside. You know, I'm not I'm not expressing myself. I, yes. I want to be creative. Now it's work. It's work and, you know, then I got heavy into pills. Yeah. You know, and it was, I was probably heavy into pills before that shit started, but I just carried that thing out there with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was probably more 
prevalent in your mind though. Oh, it was. Yeah. Now it was more like, now it's a thing. It's got a hold of you. Yeah. It's got a hold of me. And I'm like, I don't even give a fuck. Let me get one so I can turn the fuck off. Yeah. So I don't have to think today. You know what I mean? What was the blowback like with the guys when you're like, I'm peacing out. Kendall was okay with it. Seemingly on the top layer, but I'm sure that Hagen was, uh, you know what, man? I mean, this is one of those things where it's not that it's a touchy subject, but it's one of those things where I have guilt about it to this day. Sure. You know, and, and um, you know, I actually feel really terrible about doing that because he was somebody that he had the finances to kind of put together the logistics of that project. Mm-hmm. He was the producer. He was the financial backing of that project. Right. You know, um, we shared creative producing responsibilities, whether it was B production recording. And obviously, you know, we did all our own writing and whatever, you know, but knowing that he had financially put out for that and, you know, he paid to get, you know, get the project mastered and all the CDs made at the time. Remember those? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me to up and dip out and kind of kill this project that had barely been born. Right. You know, I'm sure that was probably a pretty devastating blow. But I, but I also think, too, that you didn't do it for nefarious reasons. No, I didn't. You, you I didn't. did it for your own mental health. No, you're right. Because you could tell That's you right. were going down another I was going down, spiral. I was going down a deep, deep one. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, I, I don't think you should be as hard on yourself or carry yeah. that, you know, like that much no, guilt as you should. Especially if you saw the writing on the wall and was like, I need to make a change. Yeah. Because, yeah. you yeah. know, it's, it's coming from a positive place, even though it's a shitty situation. Yeah. It's a positive place. Sure, sure. Okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're it's, all about healing over here. Thank man. you. Well, thank you so much. That is <laughs> yeah. just—it's just honesty, man. I mean, because well, we've all done it, though. We have. I That's mean, the thing. I, we've all been a part of shit that we've either fucking thrown in the towel or had someone else throw in the towel. Well, you I'm know, a, and I'm it a, sucks. I'm a college like, dropout. You know, fucking get out of here. But like, I I did it for like half a year, and it was like on my parents' dime. Nothing was clicking. Yeah, I hear that. I I was drowning, you know, and I was trying to follow a career path that everyone told me was going to be the future kind of thing. This is what you should go for. Nothing I was into, but I was like, I'm doing this because I have to. Apparently, this is the way it is. It's a much lesser scale and there's nothing creative about it. But at the same time, if you're not into it. What do you do? Yeah. And yeah. I thought I was doing my family a favor by being like, stop paying. I'm out. Yeah. And I think that changed my relationship with my folks mm-hmm. in, okay. in okay. an irreparable way. And, and this was hamburger college you were doing? Yeah. You know, it was just, it was paper hats and <laughs> specialists with my initials on it. <laughs> Here we are. Um, At least you didn't say clown college. (laughs) At least I'm feeding people. Come on, bro. There's no way you can get accepted into clown college. (laughs) But. Yeah. So so back out to East Coast. Yeah. How long did your reset take? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I was out there. I wasn't even skating. We were just doing our thing out there, you know, working. And it was cool. But you know what happened was there was one rainy day. In Connecticut, and we're in the van, and you know we're passing the pipe, and oh my God, we were on this, we were on this bridge, right? It was like a forty-foot high bridge, and it just had the Jersey barriers on the side. We're probably in the mm-hmm. middle lane, and I think he just like, all right, here you go, it's, your, it's time for your rip, and we were slightly veering to the right, and this fucking van started teacupping. Mm. We started spinning five forty. 
we we spin backwards. I'm looking at traffic come at us. Yeah, that's and scary. we're in this van that's loaded with fucking cement bags, oh. bricks, sheet metal. Yeah, and we're headed straight for this Jersey barrier, and it's like a forty foot drop into some <laughs> creek. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is it. This is how the story ends. <laughs> yeah, all this for fucking this. Yeah, you know, I'm sure Nick's thinking the same thing. Yeah. Like, motherfucker! <laughs> so we hit this thing. Thank God we didn't bust through this shit. They make those things pretty good out there. Yeah, they do their job. So I, I separated a few ribs off my spine in that accident. Oof. The van got totaled. We had to wrap our head around what had just happened and get our fucking story straight. Yeah. You know, all that stuff. And a few things coincided where it was just kind of time to get out of New York. So... I did a beeline down to Florida. Okay. Now, let's go on a new adventure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I I shacked up where my mom was at the time. My mom and my stepdad were in Florida on the Gulf Coast, a little bit south, like an hour and a half south of Tampa. And I got a job working in this, one of these, uh, you know, Gulf Coastal restaurants. And I, I was a line cook. Mm-hmm. You know, I did the... I did some fucking, I did the duck and the goddamn escargot and shit like that. And the mm-hmm. coconut shrimp. Yeah. You know, it was kind of cool, you know, because I like, I always, we, you know, again, we grew up with food. I was into it and I have a ton of restaurant history yeah. of my own, right? Sure. So, again, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, I'm, I had some moments where I was like, my life isn't even happening right now. Yeah. I, I don't exist. This town I was in, like, there were no people my age. I mean, you know, talk about, I mean, it's Florida. We already, you know, you know where this is going. It's yeah. fucking, it's, it's beach billies. We're out in the town I was in and, you know, old folks or just some, so I don't know, weird characters. Okay. <laughs> yeah. it, it just it's, didn't, it's there was Florida. no culture there. No <laughs> yeah. culture that I could resonate with. You right. know what I mean? I'm, not a, was I'm not a parrot head. Yeah. You know, and, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, oh man. So I did get into skating a little bit there because that's all, that's the only thing there was. There was a little mm-hmm. island of a skate park. But again, I was fucking, I was taking down 12 packs a night with one of the guys I was working with and then, you know, getting in the car and driving my ass home, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, wow, this is too easy. I fuck this. So luckily, there was this one night where the owner of this restaurant came into the kitchen on the line. This guy was an alcoholic. He was, he was tore up. He came up to me and started pecking me in the chest about something about a paycheck. He's like, if you don't put those checks in the bank tomorrow, they're going to be no good. I'm like, all right, all right, take it easy. Take it easy, man. No, no worries. Yeah. You know, he steps off all fucking liver lipped back out to the floor to go keep drinking with his wife. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, this motherfucker just did this shit. Like, who the fuck does that to another yeah. man and thinks that, like, this isn't going to go somewhere else? So I look over to the chef, and I'm like, yo, that was crazy. He just looked at me like he'd seen it, like, ten times before. Old he's, like, he's like, I know, I know. Yeah. And I'm like, no. I took my apron off. I went out there. <laughs> I'm like, hey, uh, Keys, can I come and talk to you into the banquet room for a second? You know, I just wanted to air it out. You know what I mean? I wanted to let him know, like, look, I'm not that guy. And these things didn't don't need, don't need to happen this way. Mm-hmm. So we go in there and I'm like, hey, man, you know, first and foremost, don't worry about the checks. I'll get them in. It's not a big deal. 
Yeah, I'm like, you just, but, but, te- but I got to tell you, you coming at me like that really isn't necessary. And he's like, oh, no, I didn't do that. I'm like, no, no, you, you pecked me in the chest. And yeah. then he started to get all, he started to get all, oh, what? This, <laughs> this, this young buck's trying to, trying to tell me something. <laughs> yeah. And he was trying, I could tell he was leaning up. He wanted to fire me. So I've decided, okay, fuck this shit. I'm going to blow this up right now. <laughs> I'm like, no, fuck this. I quit. And I turned around and I kicked open these two French doors out of the banquet room into the dining room and it just it was one of those like record skip moments yeah. where the whole fucking place every white head in that motherfucker yeah. turned turned their neck quicker than they had in 20 years yeah and I go in there and I okay tidbit I didn't tell you my mom was the fucking hostess there so I went right up to her I'm like yo mom I'm fucking out of this bitch you know, let me tell you I'm gonna tell you what happened you know and she's like what and she was she was fully on board. I went into the kitchen. I'm like, I'm out. I folded up my apron. I shook hands with all the cooks. You guys were great. You guys were great. It was like the end of my comedy act. You guys were great. Went in great there, have a good great night. Crowd. The guy's wife comes into the kitchen. She's like, Were you that little motherfucking? And like, I just did that. Like, yeah, bitch, I was, and fuck you too. You know, like probably threw something off, threw like a fucking chafing dish off of the fucking counter, and then me and my mom just both blazed. Blaze trails out of oh, fucker just mom, left him behind. Mom's right had your back and went with you. Yeah, yeah, she quit too right then. Fuck there. yeah. We She's just like, got on right, some well, like we're yeah. out. <laughs> and that was it. I'm like, all right, this is over. I'm buying a ticket. This is my chance mm-hmm. to come back to life. So I got my ass back on a plane and came back out here. It was still 2007. Yeah. A lot happened within that year. Yeah, big year. And that was the reset. <laughs> so I come out and, you know, I'm happy to be back, but it's almost like, how do I reemerge without just sliding back into the same shit? Now, plus culture changes quick. Yeah, it does west. change quick. It's weird. You know how motherfuckers are. And mm-hmm. um, I had to do some basic things. I had to kind of hide out in my grandma's 55 and up apartment complex. You know, like coming in through the side doors type of shit. And, um, you know, all my personal belongings are stacked away in a, you know, a storage closet somewhere. So I rode that for a while until the manager is like, y'all. We let it slide for as long as we could, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Other just, people have grandsons, too. Yeah. We, we, ju- we just want you to know that we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know, okay, kid? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, fine, fine. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to shell some money out, get some new gear. And I had a little bit of different approach this time. I was a little uh, shell shock from what I had done with this whole mu- lyrical project. And also, I was in a weird space because the places I went with writing were not good for my health. I'm a method writer. Okay. So, mm. you know, I go there. And that's part of the reason why I started having some mental issues. Because, I mean, I would be up all hours of the night, you know, like having conversations with the devil. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of shit. You know, like on some weird shit. And um, I got all fucking Howard Hughes and shit. Like, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go see people. Yeah. Um, Boy. I got down to like 109 pounds. Yeah, it was crazy. It was (laughs) fucking crazy. Because I was a busboy at this Italian restaurant that my friend's parents owned. And uh, these regulars who would come in, like it really hit me one time because this lady, she called me out. She's like, Johnny, what's going on with you? You're losing weight. And I'm like, oh, fuck, this gig's up. She's like, you used to look like Orlando Bloom. Now you look like some other schlup, you know. And, you know, it was crazy. So, you know, all of the rest of people my age were out doing their normal shit. 
and I'm in this fucking trailer park in this little one-bedroom joint that I got, just smoking grits, smoking resin because I'm too broke to buy weed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm hitting my blockbuster movie pass twice a day (laughs) and, uh, you know, writing and just withering away. So when I came back, I'm like, you cannot do that again because it's just going to be rinse and repeat. Right. So I was actually terrified of writing. So I stopped for a really long time. And I'm like, I'm just going to make beats and I'm going to go back to my roots. I'm just going to go back to DJing. Yeah. So, you know, I started doing that again. And I started DJing on a little mini little mini local tour with um, some friends of mine, this group, the Knuckleheads at the time. Okay. Wes Haven and Danny Mac. And, um, you know, we did this little North San Diego, North County, up in the Riverside stretch of runs. Yeah. And it was a short run, but it was fun. But it was cool because we had a live drummer with us. Uh-huh. So it was me on the tables, him on the drums, and then them doing their thing. So we brought a little bit different energy to it, and that was cool at the time. But, you know, creative differences... Uh, you know, these guys were like brothers and, you know, that's how it is. You know, you get egos involved yeah. Yeah. and, uh, you know, it's all good. But, you know, these are just the things that happen. You spend enough time with people, it's going to happen, right? Right. You know, and no, right. it, there's no escaping it. And so after that kind of reached its end, I was like, okay, I'm going to kind of reel back in and just focus on doing beats again. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where I had the opportunity. I could have. We, I, I'm back now, right? So why not start pumping the album? Yeah. I had this crazy block. I was all weird. I was all fucked up in the head. You know, this is why I have the guilt because I know there was times when Hagen was like, yo, you, you want to go try and do a show? And I was just like straight up, no. Mm. You know? But and I think it's, you knew though. You know, you knew it wasn't for I you knew at something the time. was going so, on with me. Yeah. I, mean, I respect that more than yeah. anything. Because you could have said, yeah, I went up there and just went fucked everything played, up. Played yeah. by the numbers and just. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But you know what? I didn't explain to him. I didn't know how to articulate it at the time, and I couldn't give him something he could chew on other than some uh, feelings of abandonment, I'm sure. Right. Yeah, and, well, yeah. and probably betrayal. You With, know without I mean? an yeah. explanation, a yeah. hard no, it's going to let yeah. the mind kind of go, right. what the fuck, dude? Like, well, Straight yeah. up. Yeah, Get it's it. just a planting a claymore on his fucking heart. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, yeah, for sure. But, you know, these the, you live and you learn. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And uh, so I said, fuck it, let's do beats. You know, that's like 2008 now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, so I mean, that's a pretty big stretch, man. Like, it's a long stretch. Especially bouncing from San Diego back to East Coast and then down to Florida and yeah. then from Florida yeah. back out here. Yeah. Okay, so... So now, yeah, now, you're, unpack. now you're back. Now I'm you back. Know, now you're back and you're, you're like, you were into 08. So when did you get the moment of clarity where it's like, I'm, I'm on track and shit's mm-hmm. actually going good now for me? Okay, <laughs> like, you okay, know. yeah. Well, it, it, it wasn't then... I'll tell you that it was, it wasn't until I had, I learned how to, you know, actually take care of my fucking, my temple for, you know, for lack of better terms, yeah. you know, start eating right, start exercising, take care, put my fucking mind, body and spirit back together yeah. first and foremost. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I was working at this really low key Caribbean cafe in uh, Encinitas, which was owned by this Israeli cat. And it was a, it was an interesting spot. It was on the top layer. It's just some hippie joint. But hey, that was, that was where I needed to be at that time. Yeah. Sure. Because, you know, these people were, they were just on a different thing at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, like nobody gave a fuck who you were, where you were from, uh, what color you were, what, you know, like 
what you smelt like. You could just be. <laughs> you could just be, you yeah. know what I mean? And you, you earned your keep by providing something other than the basic status quo. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, we were cooking food. We were working. You know what I right, mean? Yeah, but right. with, with all that, there was something else going on there. So I kind of kind of got my shit back together. You know what I mean? I'm getting in my groove. I'm I'm taking care of my body. I'm got this grind going. I'm meeting people again. And you know what? And then I'm fucking I'm writing again. Yeah. I was going to say, that sounds a whole lot like stuff we've talked about, too, you know, where you just hit that groove and you go with it because it feels right. Yeah, you have uh, to get out of your own way, right? You do. And that's the thing. It's There's there's that moment, that the aha moment, where you could tell this is all right. This is it. Somehow, some way, I feel like this is what I'm I'm supposed to be doing now. Yeah, Yeah. and that's that's a that's a rare feeling. It's awesome when people get it. Uh, What about this? Is okay. Have you got either one of you guys ever had the the false uh huh? Oh yeah, this I'm about to have it. No shit, we're we're about to have it. Oh (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. Oh yeah. Here we go. So yeah, you know this was all good and great. I was, you know, I'm puffing up. I'm puffing up. I feel fucking brand new. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, life happens. Shit happens. Mm-hmm. And you get knocked down a couple pegs. And with that, I had to get resituated real quick, which I did. Ended up with a new job. But, you know, what I did was I had to go back into something. I had to go into autopilot. Mm-hmm. And for me, autopilot was let's burn it from both ends. Okay. So I went back into heavy drinking. Heavy, heavy fucking this and that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like... Yeah, there. I mean, there was nights where I had a fucking little coke bindle to myself, and I'm just pulling off on a dark road and just, yeah. just solo, yeah. not even having a good uh, fucking it's time. Not I don't even know what the fuck I'm doing. It's here, not bro. recreational no, anymore. It's now not. it's just to go forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. And the thing is, you know, logically, you know, you know, you're doing the, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah, right, right. But you know. <laughs> It, you're doing it. It's happening, you know, and you're hoping somebody's going to yell cut, but yeah. it's, that shit is not happening. No. So I didn't have, so that, you know, false, aha, uh-huh, right? So I stayed in that whole place for fucking easy, a lot. Okay. So what, okay. That was, we're talking 2009. Okay. I didn't get into a new fucking groove until like 2000 fucking 11, 12, 13. I went on pause and that's just existed long. for a long fucking time, bro. Yeah, that's that's a long period. So it was just robotic, just yeah, going yeah, yeah. through the motions. Oh, yeah, hating every minute of it. But see, this is the whole trick of it because, you know, this is one of those things where you've been down this road and now you're upset about being upset about being upset. Right. Because you fucking know better. You've conquered this before, but here you are again. Yeah. But I don't have anything to chew on. Right. You know, I got nothing... What oh, else man. is there? Fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. Everything. You know, everybody else is doing it. It works for them. Right. Why won't it work for me? It's a pit. Yeah. But you know why it works for them? Because maybe they're not crazy fucking artist nut jobs that have to take inspiration and find a way to turn it into physical form. Mm-hmm. They're cool right. with doing a nine to five and just kicking back, watching the game and bitching about work. Right. You know what I mean? That does it for them. Yeah. You know, they have different things that work for them. You know, I'm not even shitting on that. I'm just saying, if it works for them, it works for them. If they're cool with it. Yeah. Right. You know. But I was just so uncontent. And I was so fucking pissed at myself that I just perpetuated it. And it was just a downward spiral. Just stayed in it. You know what I mean? Such a sign, though. That discontent, you know. Yeah. Such a sign. It's it's, No, it it is. Yeah. I mean, it's... You can wallow in it or you could let it motivate you. And, right. Yeah. 
You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because well, I gotta be honest, I think most just wallow. They don't even try to get themselves well, out because yeah. it feels so hopeless. Yeah, you know, it's you're you've reached a point where you're just like, well, there's no up, there's no left, there's no right. So fuck, yeah. I'm done. You yeah. know, maybe my maybe my time my window has passed. Yeah, right, right. and um, nobody really. Uh, well, the lucky few find the window anyway or yeah. cr- or create one yeah yeah and hopefully hopefully they do hopefully because yeah. you're right there are people who will give up that dream because they've hit rock bottom yeah and they're just yeah. kind of like what's the point but i will say this i will say this like even though a lot of that was the script i still had my safe haven of making music I still had it, but the only difference this time was that, like I said, I was in this Howard Hughes mode and nobody heard it, nobody saw it. So I ducked away for like fucking 10 years, still grinding away, making beats, but not sharing the shit with anybody. And what the fuck good is that? You were just putting it in the coffers for... Just keep it you know, for a yeah. lot of things. I had a chip on my shoulder. I was a hater at that time. Sure. I can say that looking back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, you know what? Let's work with people. I can be a control freak. I like things done a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't like what the local talent sounded like. And so you knew you couldn't take your stuff there. They wouldn't get it. No, we weren't on the same page. You know, that's, it's a whole different and, vibe. Totally. Absolutely. You know, it's, you know, let's, okay. You want to make horror, but then the only people you're hooking up with are only trying to do rom-com. Yep. You yeah. Know? Yeah, sure. I know there's common ground there. A little bit of romance, maybe a little couple jokes, but it's not the same thing. No, they're it's not, not, it's the, not the same, same recipe. Thing. They're not going to no, look at no. what you have to offer no. as viable, yeah. you know. So I made an island out of myself, yep. which, you know, that was that was hurtful. I shouldn't have done that. I should have found ways to reach out. I should have taking the steps but there was also that other side of me it's like nobody gives a fuck and and part of me doesn't give a fuck and it's very hard to get out of that mindset yeah Yeah. you know and especially when you live in it for a decade yeah Yeah. oh yeah Yeah. around what 2013 14 is like when we yes started meeting up so i think we'll come back next week all right well we should probably wrap this one up and uh, i'd say this is the the first part of three yep all right well until next time see you guys